When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Dog Pound, this is the Oracle, the Village Elliot. I want to get a little philosophical today and ask you what you're thankful for. Um, in life in general, but specifically about sports and the Cleveland Browns. I feel very thankful this season because the Cleveland Browns are perhaps having their finest hour. This may not be their best team ever, but it's one of their best records that they've had in many, many years. And it's their best effort that they've ever had. What they've done on defense just surpasses all expectations. It's just really, really an incredible thing. Football is not an easy game. In fact, I believe that football is the hardest game in the universe. It's so demanding physically, but mentally it's also very, very difficult to just play this game, to understand what it is you're supposed to do, to make those decisions, and sometimes in split seconds, man, that's a hard game. I believe it's the hardest game of all to play, to play well. And the Cleveland Browns are playing well for the first time in years. Well, I guess, of course, there was the 2020 season in which Baker Mayfield led the team to the playoffs. They almost made it all the way to the Super Bowl. It was a lousy call by the officials. They couldn't see a helmet-to-helmet hit on Richard Higgins that should have sent the Cleveland Browns to play Buffalo the next week. And they could have made it to the Super Bowl, perhaps. It's not crazy. It's not crazy to think that at all. Um, so I'm thankful that the Browns have Miles Garrett, the greatest superstar on defense that I've seen. I was going to say in my generation, but I think I'm old enough that I span more than one generation. I remember back when Jimmy Brown was a player. Uh, I didn't really understand football at that point, but I think a few years later, by the time it was Jimmy Brown and Dick Shafraff, Bo Scott, um, Bill Nelson at quarterback, Jim Kanicki at uh, defensive uh, tackle, uh, well, and then later we had Jerry Shirk and Walter Johnson, the two best defensive tackles in the NFL at that time. Um, Billy Andrews, the middle linebacker. Clarence Scott, Tom Darden. Man, that was an incredible time. Uh, football is the hardest game in the world. It's the most exciting game for me. 
and I think a lot of people in the Cleveland area feel the same way. Cleveland football was where it all began, or at least in Northeast Ohio with the Canton Bulldogs. Jim Thorpe was our big running back in Northeast Ohio. Yeah, he also performed a year uh, in Cleveland, don't forget that. Jim Thorpe was a former Cleveland Indian. That was the name of the football team. I know you're not supposed to say Indian anymore, but that was just historically the name of the team, the Cleveland Indians. And then he moved on to a team called the Oorang Indians that um, was based in a small town near uh, Marion, Ohio. And Oorang was actually not an Indian name. It sounds like it was, but it was actually the name of a breed of dogs that uh, the owner of the team attempted to sell at halftime. And uh, the football team was part football team and part uh, entertainment. They put on a Native American halftime show at each game and uh, maybe the halftime show was better than the football. They were all Native Americans and uh, did not have a winning record but it was a very very entertaining uh, brand of football from what we know. But anyway yeah Jim Thorpe played in Canton, played in Cleveland and before there was such a thing as the NFL, there was the Ohio League. The big teams were Canton, Akron, and Massillon, and Jim Thorpe was in the middle of it. Uh, he was one of us. He was the first big star in professional football. It was all here in Ohio. It's in our blood. And um, I'm just really grateful for the heritage that we do have. And, um, you know, Jim Brown played here. I'm old enough to remember Jim Brown. I didn't really understand Jim Brown when he was a player. I was only like uh, seven or eight years old when he retired, or I should say forced into retirement by the most stupid owner slash general manager in history. That would be Arthur Modell. And uh, otherwise he'd have played for several more years in Cleveland. And um, Jim was also a civil rights uh, advocate, um, which, uh, you know, he was way ahead of his time. Uh, we understand that now, what he was doing. And, um, you know, he attempted to build businesses on Cleveland's Near East Side and, um, you know, was uh, really a builder and a businessman and did a lot of things for Cleveland that maybe didn't appear in the newspapers, but uh, really fostered a sense of uh, literally, not figuratively, but literally ownership of businesses among minority communities and did a lot of great things. Now, he did a lot of bad things, too, where he had uh, personal relationships that went sour and there were allegations of violence and uh, certainly... Uh, anger management was something that he admitted to in his later years. And so, you know, if you want to criticize him, uh, rightly so, I think Mr. Brown owned up to that in uh, as many words in his um, uh, statements to the press. And um, you can make a, what you will of that. 
Uh, he was not a one-dimensional character by any means. Nevertheless, he's part of our heritage, and I'm grateful to have the memory of him as part of our community. I'm, I'm grateful to have known that. Grateful to have known uh, Ernest Biner. I'm I actually met Ernest at a Browns backer function. I think he was, more than anybody else, he was my hero because he overcame the greatest of adversity. A lot of people remember him for fumbling at a game that uh, most Browns fans thought that we would have won and then easily, ha, easily won the Super Bowl against the Dallas Cowboys at the following two weeks. But I'm here to tell you that when your defense gives up 38 points, you're not going to win no Super Bowl against no Dallas Cowboys. That was really not fair. Um, and, and yeah, okay, I remember that the Browns deliberately, uh, or I should say the, the uh, you know, we had the benefit of getting a two points uh, on a safety, so it wasn't really 38 points, it was 36 or whatever. It doesn't matter. They gave up a lot of points against the Denver Broncos and the defense did not play well. I don't think that we would have beaten the Dallas Cowboys. Um, not when, a, when the defense is giving up that many points. So I tried to tell Ernest that, look, dude, it's not, that, it's not fair for you to blame yourself when the defense is giving up so many points. It's too selfish for you to take that much responsibility for a team that played so poorly on defense. You didn't play defense, dude. But anyway, nevertheless, I'm so, so grateful for the opportunity to meet Ernest Biner, <coughs> who, let it be known, had, um, I think, two Super Bowl rings after he left the Browns. That's the punchline. He was not a failure. He recovered from the debacle, the terrible, terrible emotional responsibility that he felt for fumbling uh, in 1986 and also losing uh, against uh, the uh, Broncos in the subsequent uh, rematch in the AFC title game. But he went on to have a career with the Washington Redskins where he became the feature back. And he earned a Super Bowl ring as a player. And then also earned a Super Bowl ring as a coach for who? The Baltimore Ravens. That one is a little hard to take. But okay, uh, as a professional athlete, you have to go where the opportunity is. And uh, he had a Super Bowl ring as a coach. And so he had two Super Bowl rings after he left Cleveland. Um, so just immense, immense gratitude to have met somebody like Ernest Biner. Also, I met Bernie Kay. I did. And I met Greg Williams. Uh, Greg Williams is a particular hero of mine because I feel like... Uh, you know, Greg, Greg is kind of crazy. Um, 
And I think that's really kind of who you want to have as your defensive coordinator sometimes. Defense is not something that you play strictly by logic and by um, manipulation like you play chess. If you could play just like chess and uh, win football games, then maybe I would have been a defensive coordinator. But it's much more than that. You have chess pieces that play with emotion and uh, play with adrenaline and great tenacity. And for that, you need a motivator. You need an angry person sometimes, somebody that gets angry. And you need somebody that I think is a little bit crazy. Defenses do some crazy things. And uh, I understand why there was such a thing as Bounty Gate with the New Orleans Saints. And I, I don't think that it was, um, how do I want to say this? I don't believe it was something that was uh, maliciously directed towards particular players. I just think it was part of this kind of crazy mindset that uh, defensive players have to have. They just think in kind of a crazy way. Uh, I don't mean to excuse that, but I just, I, I guess I'm just saying that it's not um, out of the realm of normalcy given the nature of playing defense in the NFL. So I did understand what uh, Greg Williams was about and what he was trying to do, what he was trying to accomplish with his defensive players and, and why he acted crazy and did crazy things uh, while he was a coach. And um, I was, I, I, you know, I think he needed to perhaps refine his approach and uh, define better limits for what he did, but I understood why he was doing the things that he did. And I totally bought into the attacking style of defense that he was preaching at the time. Although, again, I think that the style had to evolve with time, just as everybody in the NFL learns how to adapt as the game evolves and improves and it gets better year after year after year and um, the competitive advantage that Greg Williams had as a younger coach may not be the same uh, now that he's uh, an old geezer like me but I still just really like Greg Williams I like the uh, Buddy Ryan and his sons Rex and Rob uh, love that attacking style and I think that you see the same thing with Jim Schwartz that the Cleveland Browns defense is an attacking style of defense it's under control I think it's under much better control under Jim than it was under Greg Williams and that it's much more disciplined and uh, but you're seeing really an excellent style of defense unlike anything that we've ever seen before in Cleveland, and I'm very, very grateful to have Jim Schwartz on the coaching staff in Cleveland. This is the best team that we've ever ever seen since the New Browns were restarted in 1999. Just enormously grateful for what has happened, and um, I think that this is really the best year that the Browns have had, the best opportunity that we've had to make a deep run in the playoffs. I'm not predicting that the Browns are going to go all the way to the Super Bowl, 
but I'm certainly not saying that it's impossible either. Uh, football is not about setting self-imposed limits on your achievements. It's about doing what seems to be impossible, making the impossible possible, making the unachievable dream into reality. Anybody with a uniform number is a threat, and any team that believes in itself is a potential contender. And I think that's what we have in Cleveland. As a team that is beginning to believe in itself uh, for the first time in a long time, and I don't see any fundamental limits to how far that they can go. I think that uh, the Baltimore Ravens, the current first-place team in the AFC North, is somewhat overrated, and the Browns, and even the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, can be right up in there in that same class. And uh, I'm not sure that the division is all locked up just because, you know, the press is going gaga because uh, because why the Ravens have the best record but they also have had the greatest fortune in being able to play teams that have started uh, rookie quarterbacks in their first NFL uh, games. They've had Joe Burrow when Joe Burrow was not at uh, his best health situation. In fact, he was injured and went out for the season against them the last time they played. And um, I'm not sure how... <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> exactly. I'm not sure how impressed I'm supposed to be that the Bengals beat, or the, the Ravens beat the Bengals when uh, Joe Burrow was not healthy with a strained calf the first time they played and then had to come out of the game with a uh, uh, ruptured tendon in his wrist. Does that mean that he's the, the Ravens are that much better than the Bengals? Does that, does that really prove what you're saying, that the Ravens are that much better? I don't know. But nevertheless, I'm grateful that there's an opportunity to contend for a division title. I think that the division is going to get tighter as the season goes on. I think both the Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers, who also have a very, very good uh, disciplined unit. They, you know, they look like they're a bunch of freewheeling characters, but I believe that that ball-hawking scheme that they have is a very disciplined, planned approach to defense. It's not as uh, luck-driven as it seems. Um, and I think it's going to get tighter. I don't think it's that Baltimore is going to run away and hide. So we'll just see how that, that turns out. But anyway, this is the Village Elliot wishing you, the Dog Pound, the greatest Thanksgiving and uh, best wishes to you and your family. And we'll check in when the holiday's over and everybody's full of turkey and we'll just see how the season progresses. We've got a new quarterback. A lot of people are plotting his demise and hoping to get some kind of name brand veteran to take over the team. I think that's foolish. We know who the backup quarterback is and we're not going to change him. 
just because you think you've got somebody on the waiver wire from fantasy football or something. This is nuts. Dorian Thompson Robinson is the quarterback, uh, unless he totally screws it up. I don't think he will. I think he's the quarterback for the rest of the season. Let's just see how far he can carry this team. And we'll talk again on Friday. Take care. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Let's watch some football, shall we? Bye-bye.